0: and move there in my direction so thank
1: for for such a blessing yeah turn every situation into heaven yeah oh, oh you are my sunrise on the darkest day got me feeling some kind of way. hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the locked in baseball podcast and i'd like to um take a moment to kind of welcome in a good friend of mine and and former teammate um who's you know, been fortunate enough to, to be involved in baseball even after his playing days um, at the highest level in professional baseball. Um, and, you know, he, you know, as a player, he was drafted in the first round back in, in 2000. Um, he, you know, played, you know, 15. How many years did you play, David? He
0: played uh, for 15 years. Uh, I got up to the A level. Okay. Played a few years of
1: independent ball as well. Yeah, so uh, so David Espinoza uh, now you know in the in the scouting world um, at the international level as the international scout, uh, I'm sorry, the international cross checker with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, the team that drafted him. Um, and you know, thanks, David, for being with us, and you know, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you're all the way out there in South Florida, um, so I, I know there's a little bit of a um, a time change there. So thanks for you know taking the time during your your busy days.
0: Yeah, man, no problem. I would
1: love to talk to these you. Yeah, man. So um and as you know, like I talked to you a little bit, you know, off the record with this about how, you know, you know, we started this podcast so that we can get some information out there for, you know, the the, the players that, you know, that I work with and in the program that I'm involved with over here on the West Coast. But actually we get we just, you know, got established in Central Florida, so that's a little bit closer for you if you ever want to run up there and, and take a look at some guys. Um but the you know the the premise of this was so that we can get that you know different perspectives of the game. So you know our players and the families that were you know that are a part of us, they can they can understand you know how big this game actually is and it goes you know far beyond you know the you know the weekend you know tournaments and events that that you know showcases that they like to attend and you know and sometimes you know I feel like you know in the industry of travel baseball and what we're you know what we're involved in was like we're in like this little bubble and we don't really have a you don't we don't really have a you know a an accurate grasp of reality on on what the game's really about sometimes so um it's good to have you know the perspective that you could bring to the table you know i really respected you as a player and as a teammate and you know I, you know i had fun with you um, and learned a lot from you um, in the few years that we played together so um you know as as an international cross checker with uh, any organization um you know Kind of, if we can kind of touch on that and, you know, what, what that role really entails, um, and, you know, what, you know, what responsibilities you have in that role, um, with Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, um, so this is my first year as an international cross checker. Uh, just so you guys have some background on what I've done. I played for a long time. I, think I played up the AAA, um, I also played independent ball and that's where I got to play with Joe um you know for a couple of years. Uh obviously we're we're good friends and uh you know but anyway, but after I got done playing, um I also uh got my bachelor's degree in, in business administration, and you know, graduated in fourteen and then um after the fifteenth season, uh two thousand fifteen season I uh, I got an opportunity to be a professional scout with the Miami Marlins. And uh my responsibilities, my you know, first year of 16, or it was actually to cover the independent leagues, along with some minor league baseball and then some major league coverage. Mm-hmm. The following three years, I-, I didn't cover the independent leagues as much. Um, I-, I did, but it-, it was a lot less than my first year. Uh but, you know, I was lucky enough to actually find a player my first year that he became a big league player. And he's a pitcher and he's still in the big league. He's at the Rays now. In his name is Trevor Richards. Um, so, you know, just going to show you that it doesn't matter what round you're drafted in. Uh, this kid was undrafted and signed for zero dollars and he's a big leaguer. Um, but then the following few years, I uh, my, you know, I pretty much, covered, uh, just, um, the affiliated levels, meaning, you know, anywhere from ball to the big leagues. It's just like an occasional trip to watch independent league players. And, uh, I did that, um, in 17, 18 and 19. Uh, and in 19, I actually was promoted to be a special assignment scout. So I would, I would go evaluate, uh, prospects for the most part and, um, Really just kind of give my opinion on, like, the better players in the minor leagues. It's just, you know, occasional major league coverage. Uh, and after the 19th season, the Reds uh, called the Marlins. It was an opportunity for me, and I've always been interested in learning about other things in professional baseball, and uh, the international world is uh, it's, it's very different. And it's very difficult because um, we're really projecting and we're watching, you know, even as young as 13 years old players. Uh, and we got to project on what they would be when they're men at 23, 24, 25 years old. And you can only imagine how difficult that is. But, you know, I knew it a challenge and I, I was up to it and uh, I took the position. So, you know, I'm an international cross checker and my responsibility is just to oversee the area guys on who they like. For instance, like when I go to the Dominican Republic, I'll, I'll fly in, I'll tag along with, for instance, uh, the scout that covers, uh, Santo Domingo, the capital. And I'll tag along with him for a few days and then, um, you know, watch some of the players he likes, uh, you know, obviously evaluate them, give my opinion. Um, and, and you know I'll, I'll do that Uh but I'm not just a Dominican I'll, I'll, I'll go to countries like uh Mexico I'll, I'll go to Colombia uh, I'll go to Curacao I'll, I'll go to the Bahamas uh, Aruba just to name a few and I haven't done this yet but at some point I'll be going to Asia as well um, but when it comes to my responsibility, when it is our department, we have three cross checkers. We have one cross checker that his responsibility is the Cuban national team or any of the Cubans are the the chef, uh, or one of our other cross checkers, he oversees Europe and Australia, um, uh, as like one of our main responsibilities. And my, one of my main responsibilities is Mexico. So, um, when it comes to the other countries, I do still go to the other countries, but like when it comes to um, Mexico, I'm considered like the, the, I'm supposed to be the expert of that country. You're
1: the god, um, godfather. You're um, the godfather there.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I pretty much have to tell my director, yeah, this kid in Mexico, he's definitely someone um, that I would have high interest in. And, if you can, you should go watch them yourself. So, we, it's kind of like a funnel system. Right. Um, you know, I, I see players that the area guys like. You know, there might be some guys that, not that you eliminate them, uh-huh. but the director, he, he pretty much makes the decision on the better players. You know, the guys that are getting, potentially getting millions of dollars, you know, million dollars, two million dollars, 500 grand whatever it is, mm-hmm. he probably won't slide a place to specifically see a kid that is a $10,000 sign. Right. Well, you know, not that he won't see them. If he takes a trip to Dominican to see, you know, one of our top targets, there might be like some, you know, kids that sign for a lot less money. And also that he'll see. But for instance, like I saw a picture in Mexico a couple of years ago that I, I really like. And, uh, you know, I, I get, which was up to me, I was going to sign the kid on the spot, but I don't make that decision. My boss, who is the director, he does. So, um, obviously with this pandemic, that plan got put on hold, but right? eventually once we're able to go back out to work, you know, and my director will find a way to go see that picture I really like in Mexico, mm-hmm. you know. Now, like me and the other two cross checkers, we 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 all go to the Dominican. Um, we typically have someone in the Dominican at all times. So it's either me, uh, one of the two cross checkers, our director, or the assistant director. So like every week in the Dominican Republic, there's somebody there that makes decisions. Right. Um, so. This is the way we do it, and that's what our responsibilities are. You know, for the most part, most of the players we sign are from the Dominican. Um, I don't, I can't, can't really tell you the exact percentage, but if I would if I guess, if we do have, you know, whatever, we do have a signing class of, I don't know, eight to 10 players, I'm willing to bet that at least five of them are from the Dominican. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a couple of Venezuelans, there might be one Colombian, and there might be a Mexican kid, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That's why when it comes the Dominican Republic, we kinda always have to have somebody there at the all times.
1: Okay. So my I think how the value I think that um this this um information can bring for, you know, the the players and the and the families um that you know that are that are listening in, they're the primary listeners here is you know, so, like, you know, obviously you played a long time. You've been scouting for a few years now. Now, you know, because you're, you know, you, you've transitioned from, you know, professional baseball. You're, you're covering, you know, independent baseball, at least in the States. And then, you know, transitioning more on an international level in South and Central America and, and Mexico. Um, so with with the guys, with the players that, you know, that I'm around, you know, mostly at the old, you know, at the oldest, you know, they they might be, you know, college level, you know, players. But they're like I said, we're kind of caught in this bubble where we feel like, you know, the the best players in the world come from like travel baseball, you know. <laughs> and uh that's not yeah. all, that's not always the case, right? So the perspective obviously, you know, and I and I try to tell guys, you know, hey, you're not just competing with, you know, the guys from you know, and these are different travel teams from the Evo shield canes or from the Florida burn, you're competing with guys from, you know, all over the world. You know, if you want to win a job, it's not going to be, you know, necessarily against your peer group here in, in the States, you're winning a job against guys that, you know, that have, you know, grown up in, in third world countries and have had limited resources to, to improve their game. But, you know, baseball is really kind of all they know a lot of the time. So, um you know just from from that regard you know um just a little little experience i like to like to go through every year with our players so we take some teams to you remember the junior olympics those uh, those tournaments that usa baseball holds um yeah yeah so they they host one in florida now in west palm um uh either west no in west palm yeah they they host it in west palm and then they host it in in the phoenix arizona area um, every year, and so the uh, in Peoria, where the Mariners and the padres that 's where the spring training um, facilities are that 's where they um, that 's where u s a baseball also hosts their like combine days you know just kind of their physical and and defensive skill assessment days and stuff like that so I really like going to that because sometimes you 'll see you know the rookie ball you know, the rookie ball guys out there, like, taking it in and out or taking batting practice during the same time. And so it's funny because I'll take, like, a 17-year-old team out there, right, and we're playing in, like, this, you know, a travel ball tournament, right, but then you also see, you know, the guys on field three, you know, the the, the Mariner, you know, rookie ball guys, and, you know, they're the same age, but they're, they've, you know, a lot of them have had, like, a year or two of pro ball underneath their belt, and a lot of them are from, you know, South America, Dominican Republic. Um, you know, obviously, any anywhere else um, that that you know that team signed guys from. But you know, there's there's a there's a there's a humongous like you know uh, gap between you know how prepared our guys are or they think they are, you know, and really how talented and you know that these you know these players internationally, you know, where they come from, how good those players are too. You know, we kind of have these blinders on where we think that we're only competing against you know draft guys out of high school and and college prospects. You know, so um, I mean, it, you're, you're on you're, you know your boots on the ground firsthand. You know, in these different countries, you know the the talent level. You know, in in, in you're from. Were you born? You were born in Venezuela, right? You're you're born in yeah, Venezuela. I was born in Venezuela. Yeah, so the talent level there, the talent level in Dominican Republic, um, Puerto Rico, Mexico, like what? You know, what is your, what's your perspective on all that? You know, because you've, you've seen guys here too, obviously, you know, um, you know, you're still, I think you're still pretty active with like, you know, your, the high school and, um, that that you attended and, um, and I think you still, I don't know, are you active at, at the university of Miami at all? Do you do stuff there or?
0: Yeah. I live in Miami. So I do see a lot of domestic amateurs as Uh well. Um, but I think... Okay, let me just put things in perspective. You know, when you compare to domestic kids in general, and you compare them to the kids that fine professionally at a young age, I think the biggest takeaway is wow, these kids are the same age, but man, they are a lot more physical yeah. than these, these kids that are here. And I'll explain why. And I would say... The Venezuelans and especially the Dominican players, they're going to be a lot more physical than the domestic kids here. Um, unfortunately for the Dominican players, they are taken out of school when they're like 13 years old and they go to these trainers and they live there. It's almost like they're like a mini complex, might just be like a field with a dorm and they're training there for like a couple of years. Before they sign at 16, so all they're doing is practicing, like lifting weights, um, and that's really all they're doing. They're not even going to school. So when it comes to uh, physicality, they're going to be ahead of the kids here. Um, so that's why I bet you, like when you were watching the, you know, the, the the you know the rookie ball or the extended kids that were on that field next to you in Peoria. I think one of the things is, like, man, these kids are the same age. They look bigger, stronger. Oh, well, that's normal. That just seems to be – I mean, it's like anything. If you were to take all the kids from the United States out of school and you just put them somewhere where they're just lifting weights and playing baseball all day, well, you're going to see it physically, you know. Now, am I a fan of that? Well, not necessarily because – I think the United States has an enormous advantage over Dominican players. Um, the good thing about what we do here domestically is the kids are getting education, um, and they're playing games, and that's how you develop aptitude and instinct. Um, the Dominican players, they they don't really play games. They just practice, take BPs, run sixty, play defense and throw the ball as hard as they can. So when you look at how their instincts are compared to the domestic players here, they're actually behind. And some of them significantly behind. Some don't even like know how to run the bases. Literally don't know how to run the bases. It's crazy. You know? So granted, I think the other disadvantage that I I think it's kind of been a trend in general here in the United States is sometimes travel ball is too many games uh-huh. where you're you're not even developing the fundamentals you know like hey maybe you should work on your backhand a little more well it's hard to work on your backhand when you're playing three games a day and you're playing tournaments all the time and there's really almost no practices so oh, I think you kind of see the two ends of the spectrum there. The, the Dominican players and the Venezuelans, they kind of use, uh, they're called buscones or trainers. They, they kind of get developed that way where they're just hitting and catching around balls and running the six feet all the time, but they're not playing big. So what, why, why, is that? Why, why,
1: why is that? Why, why don't they? Because I feel like there's enough players down there, right? I could be wrong. There's enough players to put teams together and play some games, right?
0: They used to be that way. They used to have weeds like we had here. They had rec and kids would play. And kids would go to school. But I don't know what year exactly it happened, but at some point, these kids were getting puffed away by these agents slash trainers slash discones. And you know, they were just getting paid out of school at 13 years old and they were being trained and you know, and then that's actually where, you know, we're starting to see this trend of questionable instinct and aptitude on the field with the Dominican, um, you know, when you sign in at 16. Um, so I, again, like I, but then the trend that we're going in is, oh my God, travel ball, uh, you know, way too many games, but not a lot. So, you know, it has got to be a balance, you know, um so i think that's where the difference is i don't necessarily think that one place is better than the other but i do i do think that the players here need to be aware that they're not the only they're not the only players you know like you said there's good players everywhere you know yeah. and just because they're not from the United States does not mean that they can't go to a university in the United States, you know, and take their spot. And I'll give you an example of a kid. Um, And every country is different. You know how I mentioned the Dominican players tend to be a little more physical. Well, when we're talking about the kids from Curacao, they're actually not very physical. They're almost similar to what we have in the United States. And Curacao, they have leagues and and the players have instincts and Shoot, there's a reason why you see them in the Little League World Series a lot. I mean, the kids play there. They're just not as physical as the Dominicans, but a lot of those kids don't end up signing at 16. And, um, and, but, but these kids are really educated. Well, they speak five languages in Curacao. And, uh, a lot of these kids end up going to college here. And I'll give you an example of one that is, I mean, I'm sure people from Southern California know who this is, Aunt Drellson Simmons. And Geraldton Simmons, uh he was not signed as a 16 year old guy from He came to school here. He went to, I forgot the name of the school, but it was like in Oklahoma somewhere. I think it was like Western Oklahoma University, something like that. And he ended up being a second-round pick. And, well, he, he's been a really good major league player. You know what's right? He's not the only one. Sorry, let me
1: let me yeah. let me kind of um, interrupt. I'm sorry, but you know it said like Andrelton Simmons came from Curacao. You know, goes to a, mm-hmm. you know, didn't, not a not a you know major D1 program in Oklahoma by any means. I don't even know if they are D1, but we have guys in Southern California, by the way, and probably similar to guys in South Florida. Like guys don't want to leave for, for some reason in Southern California. And to, it, yeah. if I were to throw any any school in Oklahoma out <laughs> to, to the majority of our players in California, they would they would immediately shake their head and say say no. Like, absolutely not. I'm not going there. You know?
0: No. But, you but, should but, go anywhere where you have an opportunity to get an education yeah. and have a chance to play baseball. Right. I mean, that's all. I, you know, if you're a good player, sometimes it's actually good that you leave where you're from. You know, obviously, Andrelson Simmons, and, you know, whoever saw him as a 16 year old, you know, they probably thought, oh, he's really underdeveloped. You know, I don't think anybody was saying he was going to be a gold glove shortstop that's going to play 10 years in the big league. But, you know, he kept playing. He went through that school in Oklahoma, developed. He had, you know, got better. Obviously, he was a second rounder. So obviously, he had to be pretty good. He was a big layer. I'll give you another example. As a kid on my high school team, uh, he and Javi I mean, it was a long time ago. But you know, everybody who lives in Miami, they want to go to the University of Miami. And, and if they don't go to the University of Miami, they're, they're, they're upset, you know, but, you know, in Javi's case, he had a chance to go to the University of Tennessee. Um, obviously not near Miami at all. And, you know, once he went there, you know, other scouts got to see him play and he obviously got an opportunity to play, got a degree. And then he out, he was also a second round pick by the Indians three years later. So sometimes leaving where you're from is a good thing. Have a different set of eyes and just leaving home, you know, I think it's good for their maturity to be on their own. So. And even just, even leaving your state, just because you're from Southern California, doesn't mean you have to go to a California school. You know, hey, like, you might have to go to, uh, I don't know, New Mexico or, or Arizona. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. So it's weird, though, because um, our guys, like, we, we kind of preach the same thing, and, and um, they don't, they, they, they there isn't anything wrong with it, but... Just you know the chain i don 't know if it 's you know just being away from home or being away from you know the beaches or being away from you know their friends and family you know um, it's just it 's a hard adjustment for guys to want to make, but the thing is like they want to play pro ball right so if if they have a problem with oklahoma right or i shouldn 't even say that because it 's probably somebody in Oklahoma's getting pissed as I say this, but if they do have a problem with like you know going to a midwestern state or somewhere where they 're kind of in the middle of nowhere compared to you know, where, you know, where they're living at here in Southern California or, or Miami, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they have a problem with that, they're going to have a real problem with playing in the lower levels of minor league baseball, because that's, you know, those towns are all you're playing at. Right. And those types of, you know, that environment is all you're going to, you know, all you're going to experience for a while, you know, to you. Move exactly.
0: Like I said, I, I think it's good that, but obviously if you're from Southern California and like Cal State Fullerton wants you and they're telling you that you're going to be the everyday shortstop, that's a little different. But if there's just not much of an opportunity to play and you have to go somewhere else, I think, especially if you have aspirations to play pro ball one day, it's only going to benefit you to leave because you're going to be forced to be on your own. And, um, you know, you might have to go somewhere in the West with cold, you know, where it's uncomfortable, but it's only going to help you, you know, in the long run, it's, especially for a maturity level, you know, you're going to have to be on your own. It's the same way in pro ball. Like you said, you know, sometimes you go to a really bad place. And I feel like if you're not forced to be uncomfortable for a while, or if you never are put in that position where you are uncomfortable, when you finally do get uncomfortable, like, you're going to be challenged mentally. I'll give you, I'm not going to name those, I'm not going to, you know, throw this guy's name out there, but there's a kid that went to my high school, um, you know, came from a wealthy family, and, uh, you know, went to the high school I went to, which is really the high school for Wealthy people, but good, good sports program. Um, you know, good, good high school player. You know, he, he had an opportunity to go to NC State, got to play and, you know, got to play right away. Um, you know, always got, it was really, he was pretty much comfortable the whole time, you know, played every day, was playing a nice program in the ACC. And then he went to go play pro ball his first year in Hazelstown. Maryland which is a dump and he literally quit in the early year because he was never really forced to be uncomfortable anywhere you know yeah. so sometimes when you have to go somewhere to play that may not be where you really envisioned yourself playing you know Then I don't know I just think For instance, like for guys from Miami or Southern California that's always had great weather and awesome facilities. And if you're never in a position where it's not like that, I think whenever you do get challenged with, like, for instance, going to a minor league city where it's not great, it's going to really, I don't know. I just think it's good to have some adversity, you know. Especially when you're young. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, that's actually when it when it comes to what I'm doing. Um, one of the things that we try to find out about the players we have interest in is is this guy tough? You know, what has he gone through in his life that has kind of forced him to toughen up some? You know, because when you're trying to find somebody for two million dollars. And they gotta play professional baseball. They they gotta be tough, you know. You can't be giving someone two million dollars that's gonna be acquitted. Right. you know. So, you know, I like like you said, I think kids need to be open minded. And if they want to play baseball, they gotta go where they have a chance to get a good education and have a chance to play, it, you know. And if it happens to be in Nebraska and it's cold, well. You know what I'm gonna to go to Nebraska. I'm gonna to tough it out. It's going to be better, you
1: yeah. know, so yeah, and that's um, I played with you in Nebraska <laughs>
0: yeah i, I, I like Nebraska's, it. uh it, it's money
1: it, it's money <laughs> 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 i mean where we where we were it was cool, I mean I mean I, yeah. drove, I drove through the rest of Nebraska, and I could see where it's you know it's a little different from what I'm comfortable with, but um. Exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, that's a re- those are really good points because you know I don't think like I mean I was I was fortunate like I went away from home to go to school, but I went to you know a tropical island in the mid- middle of the ocean, so it wasn't the same
0: mm-hmm.
1: exact um you know type of uncomfortability. But I was forced to be on my own. You know, I was forced to, you know as a kid, as an eighteen year old kid, to, to to kind of fend for myself, manage my money um, you know, be away from my friend my friends and family that, you know, that I grew up with and, um, or friends I grew up with and family, uh, obviously I grew up with them, with them, but you know, it's, it does, you do feel that, you know, you do feel, you know, especially when you come back home, you feel like a little bit more accomplished, you know? And then when, you know, when I did get into the, uh, professional side, you know, when I was a player, you know, it was a lot easier to adjust. I can imagine, you know the guys that you know this is their first time away from home, and I understand when you're like seventeen eighteen years old you know and and you get drafted out of high school it is a little bit of a you know of a of a different um experience for them but you know as a as a you know twenty one twenty two year old signing out of college and going someplace, it was a lot easier adjustment for me because i you know I was already away from home to begin with you know it wasn't it wasn't um you know it wasn't like a culture shock, and it wasn't like a you know you just kind of expect you know to to have to take on more responsibilities in that way you know wh- whereas if you decide to stay home to go to college and live at home and you know your parents are still making you breakfast in the morning and you know getting your lunch ready and all that stuff then you know it's you know you're 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 getting i don't want to say you're getting coddled but you're a lot you're 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 becoming enabled to just kind of stay comfortable, which is a You know, that can kind of that can lead to, you know, sabotage in your career down the road. Hey, guys, that's it for this episode of the Locked In Podcast. This is part one with the international cross checker for the Cincinnati Reds, David Espinoza, who's all the way out in Miami, Florida. Um, He's shed some light on some really good info for international players and how the scouting world works out there, but also how it it compares to evaluating talent here in the States. Um, So part two will come up next. Uh, We're signing off, so we'll talk to you guys next time. This is how we do it down in Puerto Rico. I just want to hear you screaming,
0: ay, bendito. I can go forever cuando esté contigo. Uh-huh. Pasito a pasito, suave, suavecito. Nos vamos pegando poquito a poquito. Que le a mi boca tus lugares favoritos? Favorito, favoritos. Pasito a pasito, suave, suavecito. Nos vamos pegando poquito a poquito. Hasta provocar tus gritos.
1: ¡Spacito!